Hi, and welcome to The Outside Story, a podcast that is dedicated to reviewing film and TV shows from an outside perspective. My name is Larry, one of the co-hosts, and today I'm joining with Jonathan, my other co-host, and today is episode two of our October Halloween special, and we're talking about something very dear to us. What are we talking about, Jonathan? We're talking about anything that has to do with Mike Flanagan. Yeah, so we're covering the other films that we didn't cover last time when we talked about Mike Flanagan, which are, we're talking about Oculus, Gerald's Game, Doctor Sleep, and The Haunting of Bly Manor. And I have to say, I'm super excited to talk about Bly Manor, but we're gonna, we're gonna save that for last. <laughs> <laughs> like, I am, like, I was looking forward to recording to today's episode <laughs> for Bly Manor. Like, that's how excited I was to talk about Bly Manor, just because, like, ah. Are you but, suggesting that before this, you're not really re- excited to record podcast episodes? <laughs> <laughs> well, not as today's episode is particularly special because this is something I'm particularly looking forward to. Because like when you when you watch like certain films or movies or whatever, like like you know you you want to talk about it. Yeah, there are some that you really want to talk about, you know, but there are some that it's like, uh, like, yeah, I'll I'll talk about it. But like Tenet is one of them. I'd love to talk about that film with someone else. But no one's not that many people have watched it. Right. Uh, And Bly Manor is something I definitely want to talk about. (laughs) So, like I said, looking forward to this episode already. But why don't we go ahead and just get started with Oculus. So, Jonathan, are you like kind of familiar with Mike Flanagan's older films? Like his his previous works? I actually haven't seen Ouija, I don't think okay yeah i don't i don't think i saw the bad ouija film i didn't see yeah and, and then flanagan's. flanagan made a sequel to that one or a prequel one yeah. of those yeah 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 yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah um but uh for those who don't know we'll just kind of give a brief rundown mike flanagan is a uh showrunner director creator he made creator writer editor he, he does a lot of things <laughs> he does a lot of things on his own he does what we um, want to do basically <laughs> pretty much yeah <laughs> um and in 2018 he did haunting of hill house which i think like he's already been kind of doing a pretty good track record but i think haunting of hill house really put him out there on right, the uh right on the on radar, the radar uh-huh. for everyone for like wow like this guy's good he knows what he's doing yeah and everyone kind of threw everything at him um but so the first film we're talking about is oculus now um oculus is about a family who purchases like this really old artifact mirror kind of like something you would buy like at at an auction basically antique Uh, but then antique there you go that's the word i was looking for antique artifact artifact is Arti- more fantasy <laughs> artifact is like a it's like a museum <laughs> or, or like indiana jones right right <laughs> right, no, right, it's right. Just, yeah this is antique. an antique yeah. antique from an auction this antique is cursed um so claims that the daughter of the family this family this is a family of four um and so the daughter is trying to find ways to prove that this mirror is definitely cursed and it's taking people's uh souls basically and this whole film is pretty brilliant um it's actually based on a short film that mike flanagan did back in 2005 all he had was a mirror and one actor and a camera like that's all he legitimately had and studios were really interested in turning this into a feature film but they wanted it to be like done by found footage but flanagan was like nah i'm, I'm not I'm, I'm not doing found footage <laughs> which i think it'd be interesting as found footage but i think the way he envisioned it was never as like found footage you know right right mm-hmm. yeah yeah jonathan what'd you think of this film 
I thought it was really interesting. One one of the one of the key characteristics, I guess, of this film is the idea of two timelines kind of happening at the same time. You get an older timeline that's kind of told through flashbacks, I guess, you know, and then you have mm-hmm. the present timeline, right? Um, yeah. And interestingly enough, this idea kind of carries on to Hill House mm-hmm. and like is kind of like the one of, one of the main storytelling like elements, I guess, that's used. I really liked that idea of like two two timelines and two stories going on kind of at the same time. I mean, they're not technically happening at the same time. The older storyline had already happened, but then mm-hmm. it's being told, right? It's being told right. to the audience. Right, right. Yeah. And we're discovering things about the first timeline as we're discovering things about the second timeline. Overall, I felt that the story was really sad, you know? Um, Mm -hmm. It's a very, very depressing ending. But then I feel like that's kind of how horror is in general, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, But this one in particular, I think, was very depressing for me because of the... Because of the um, the state, you know, of mm-hmm. the characters. Um, right. Very, very strong two main characters, in my opinion. Um, mm-hmm. But then also, like, as, as I'm watching this and I'm watching more Flanagan stuff, like, the characters definitely follow, like, the, the tropes that he kind of has in his mm-hmm. film. Right. The brother being the one who doesn't really believe in ghosts, you know? And then the daughter, the older sister, being the one who is very, very set, like, and, and kind of, like, quote, knows the truth, right, of what mm-hmm. happens. Right. Um, and both kind of coming to terms with things that happen to them as children. You know, there's this trauma that happened to them. That's kind of the good thing about Flanagan is he takes these kind of, like, traumatic events that happened um, in people's lives and, like, explores them, you know? Um, and mm-hmm. so Oculus definitely does that. And, and, and I liked it, you know? I mm-hmm. liked it. Right. I, I mm-hmm. would say that it's, you could definitely tell it's a precursor to everything that um, mm-hmm. Flanagan is doing, you know? Right. And it's so interesting how he kind of, like, even though it's, like, a similar basis, he manages to, like, unravel it in very complex ways, you know? throughout right. his later works right which is very interesting because like most most of the time like me personally like, i i would run out of ideas <laughs> but yeah do you have anything else to say for oculus um i would just want to say that i don't i don't know if i really liked karen gillian's performance in this i feel like she was just fine until the very end and then the actor who played this the son um mm-hmm. brenton thwaites i think is his name yeah mm-hmm. um i thought he i thought he did amazing and he's like an actor who i think after doing this like he got really really big and so yeah it's it's really it's really interesting to see him in this role because i've seen him Mm -hmm. in other roles before and i think he's just a phenomenal actor so right yeah yeah i thought i thought both actors and actresses were great yeah yeah i also did like the idea of like the multi simultaneous timelines like the the, this film makes you like doubt a lot of things yeah because the way yeah yeah the way the mirror works is that it makes you think it's something is going on but it's really not but it actually did go on you know (laughs) um and and, and like okay so one of the big things that that was like so um so easy to predict was when uh the daughter she was replacing the light bulbs right but she was eating an apple and she placed it next she 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 was placing the dead light bulbs next to the apple and i was like oh bro like (laughs) <laughs> something's gonna happen <laughs> she gonna she'll eat that light bulb on accident <laughs> yeah 
and then she does accidentally but then she did it so like it, it, it's real trippy it is a real trippy because you starting to doubt like did the end actually even happen or did it even happen at all yeah yeah it's it's, it's one of those films so uh be on the lookout for that if you're if you're interested all right if we have nothing else to talk about i guess we can move forward yeah let's let's keep let's keep moving yeah so gerald's game is this film based on a stephen king novel i've I haven't read the novel so i don't know how close it is to the actual book but it's about this couple who they're struggling through their marriage and so in order to i guess improve their marriage they decide to go out on a little retreat and when they go out for this retreat the husband, Gerald, gets this idea in his head that, you know, they're going to have, they're going to put something interesting in their sex life. And so he brings handcuffs. As they're kind of getting ready to have sex, he handcuffs his wife to the bed and they kind of start to do this little role play thing. Um, and when that happens, he actually has a heart attack and he dies, leaving his wife to be handcuffed to the bed and to literally be stuck. And so... The whole movie is based on the wife's. Oh, I don't remember what her name is. Do you remember? Mm-mm. We'll just we'll just use their their roles. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the wife. She. It's easy to remember Gerald because it's his name's in the title. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, the the wife. She essentially spends the whole time of the whole duration of the movie getting out of that situation that she's in. In the meantime, she has to overcome something within herself in order to overcome her external situation and i think it's Mm -hmm. i think it's great what did you think larry oh i i like this film a lot yeah the stephen king novel it was known to be impossible to adapt oh really because yeah like the the novel is way more complex because um so in the novel she creates characters in her head and she gives them all nicknames and like with those I guess personalities of hers as she creates, she's able to kind of find ways to overcome it. Yeah. And so Gerald's game, the the film, Mike Flanagan's, I guess, approach to it was a lot more. It was interesting because um, Mike Flanagan uses like the wife's like her her perceptions of her husband and herself, and they're kind of all talking to her uh, at the same time, which is also something like a precursor uh, again as to what we'll see later on and so like with yeah. this approach like St- Stephen King was really impressed with it and like he-, he liked it a lot I liked it more than I thought I would too <laughs> because like man <laughs> all you have is like like you're telling me all you have is someone stuck in a room the entire time I mean you, th- you, <laughs> you thought know? you think that about Hush too right like, right yeah yeah mm-hmm. um Hush is another film that Mike Flanagan did about this deaf woman who is essentially stuck inside her cabin while somebody's trying to break into her house um and that's the entire film uh same same thing with gerald's game right you know she's stuck inside this room (laughs) um and that's uh, basically like 90 95 percent of the entire film (laughs) Mm -hmm. right right And, and like so like how do you make something like that so interesting and he just nails it really really well oh yeah i'd say yeah mm hmm yeah, I actually had trouble sleeping after Gerald's game because there's a particular <laughs> yeah. there's a particular character in the movie that kind of shows up while she's sleeping, um, and that just scared the crap out of me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a really that part was real creepy. I agree. <laughs> I was like, "Are you kidding me right now? What is happening?" And she wakes up, and that character just kind of shows up doing really, really awkward and disgusting and kind of weird things. Great movie about. Again, like this internal conquering of yourself and discovery of yourself and overcoming external situations because of it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And sometimes I think it 
in order for us to overcome that those sort of inner conflicts, we have to be experiencing something so distressing, you know, externally. Yeah. Which I I think this film does a really good job at showing that. So yeah. Um, one final thing. Uh, there's a point in the film where she realizes that she's gonna die if she doesn't have water. She she remembers that her husband had put a glass of water on top of her on a floating shelf above of the uh, headrest of the or the mm-hmm. what's it called of the bed. No, it was it was legit just a shelf. Yeah, it's a floating <laughs> yeah. shelf on top of the bed, and she gets it, and then she remembers that she has a price tag that she took off her dress that she put up there and she rolls the price tag into a straw to suck out the water because again, her hands are handcuffed so she can't move them too far. And I was like, does that really work? So I actually tried it. I like rolled up a piece of paper and tried to like suck out water. And I was like, it works, but it is real, not effective. Like, you know, you barely get any, but is it a piece of paper? I thought that, that that looks like that price tag was made out of cardboard. Yeah, it was made out of something yeah. much a little bit more stronger than yeah. than than the paper. paper. Yeah, yeah. But <laughs> yeah, I definitely used like um uh, like like a hard like harder paper. I don't remember what it was, but uh, okay, yeah, mm-hmm. it was like cardstock or something. <laughs> anyway, yeah, that was interesting. <laughs> yeah, it was very interesting, and then also like phenomenal acting all around. Um, mm-hmm. In this next is Doctor Sleep, which came out last year. Um, and it is a sequel, <laughs> quote unquote, to sequel, <laughs> sequel to The Shining, and this is more of like a uh, supernatural horror. Oh man, Doctor Sleep! Like, like, like rewatching <laughs> this again, rewatching the director's cut, maybe, re- maybe remember like, yeah, this film is great, brilliant. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, still can't ponder how good this film is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, still pondering how good this film is. I mean, what do you want to explain a little bit? Like, give a synopsis of Doctor Sleep. Yeah, yeah, sure. So, um, Doctor Sleep pretty much takes place immediately—not immediately, but pretty soon after the original Shining film. Um, so you have um, Danny, the the kid with uh, his his mom, and they're still trying to like overcome the trauma and the. Uh, the stress that they had when they were at the hotel in The Shining. But the thing is, like, with, with Danny, like, he still is being followed by those spirits he saw at the hotel. And the man he met at the hotel who told him about The Shining, like, his gift, The Shining, starts to kind of manifest and kind of mentor him, like, through his uh, through his life and a- as he's trying to kind of understand and overcome how to, like, counteract and how to resolve like his particular trauma and he kind of does an okay job at first like dan but then like as like the time the time goes forward and it skips forward like we can see that he becomes uh like an alcoholic and he has trouble uh trouble sleeping that sort of thing but that's just like the very first <laughs> yeah there's so many parts <laughs> actually <to> this. <laughs> yeah this film now i think about it that's only that's barely the first 30 minutes that's only like one story arc too there's also yeah. Like, the major plot, which is, you know, has to do with this group of, you know, people who have the Shining called the, is it the the, the Twisted Knot? Is that what they're called? The, the True Knot. The True Knot. Mm-hmm. Um, and the True Knot is, like, a group of people who have the Shining who eat 
other people who have the shining they eat their mm-hmm. souls essentially um yeah. and they're kind of trying to their their little coven of you know people are kind of dying and so they're trying to find essentially children because children's children are more tasty or whatever and they yeah they, they have the best shine they have the best shine and so they try to mm-hmm. find children and they eat children basically which is yeah. kind of gross um and disgusting um and that also leads to one of the best you know scenes in horror ever which is like the scene of them torturing a child <laughs> mm-hmm. um <laughs> and i don't want to say it's the best scene but it's very very well acted um, mm-hmm. And as you're watching it on the screen, you're just like, oh, my God, is this really happening right now? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah. The, the kid who who does the who 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 is getting eaten is the kid from Room, um, the movie with Brie Larson. Yeah. Um, and also the kid from Before I Wake. Yeah. And so mm-hmm. just just a great child actor. Amazing child actor. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Um, and then another kid gets wrapped up into it too abra abra yeah that's right Mm -hmm. abra is a young girl who has the shining and she kind of gets wrapped up into all this too because her shine is particularly strong and so she's able to sense that a child is dying she's able to sense that like danny and she's able to sense the true knot and so she kind of gets wrapped into all this too and Dan essentially goes through so much like character development through all of these things and kind of leads to the climax of his own character story and and character development. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just a you know, film. like, <laughs> yeah, like, like Dan was such a great character. I forgot Ewan McGregor was playing him. <laughs> <laughs> Ewan McGregor like, is phenomenal. Yeah. Like, yeah. so good in this role. Yeah. Mm hmm. Mm-hmm. Like, like, I don't even think about the actor who played him because that's how good <laughs> the character is, you know, because you're so, like, immersed yeah. I- into into the film. And I'm like, oh, man, I forgot. This is Ewan McGregor. <laughs> He's yeah. really good at this. <laughs> yeah, totally, totally. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, I think for people who are hesitant to, like, watch this because it's horror, besides the scene that we named earlier with the kid getting tortured, basically... Um, the mm-hmm. film's actually not that scary. And this is one of the films that converted my uh, my best friend into, like, horror films. <laughs> like, he mm-hmm. essentially did not like horror films at all. And I had gotten a pre-screening tickets to go see Dr. Sleep, and I was going to go by myself. He didn't want me to go by myself, so he came with me. And mm-hmm. um, he ended up loving Dr. Sleep. Um, and he doesn't mm-hmm. do horror. Like, does not do horror. And so, mm-hmm. um, definitely give this one a try. It's a little slow, though. It's pretty slow. Not as slow as the Shining film, but it, it's pretty slow. And, right. like, to, to watch this film, you don't really need to know the Shining, but it's nice to know because they make a lot of, like, homages to it. Yeah, a lot of nods. Uh, I guess another thing I want to add to Doctor Sleep is it didn't go down the route of, like, a lot of what's what superhero films would do in terms of, like, you know, oh, they're going to train and get stronger, come back. Oh, they're going to gather a bunch of other Shine people and fight back, <laughs> Avengers style. You know, like, they didn't do that. They didn't right. do any of that. So what they right. did is they took a the more realistic approach to, like, how would they be able to fight the true knot because that, that's how, like, deadly they are. Like, and so they, they find different ways to do it. And it's not just, like, you know, your stereotypical action flick or whatever, you know, in terms of how they're going to yeah. fight back. And so yeah. that's, that's what I really really liked about this film too yeah so mm-hmm. yeah i, I do kind of wish there was room to like explore 
the different members of the true knot because um, there's a handful yeah. of them and mm-hmm. they 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 each kind of seem to have their own res- respective role or specific role in the mm-hmm. group um because yeah. they also at, seem at, very at selective <laughs> yeah yeah at that point like mike flanagan should yeah. just made this to a netflix yeah. series <laughs> it, just should, it should have been a limited series on netflix yeah because the director's cut is three hours long <laughs> three hours and every minute is worth it yeah and <laughs> like, it's split into chapters yeah. like uh, mm-hmm. the the director's cut has title screens on it and so you can tell when one chapter is ending and when another one is beginning so mm-hmm. yeah yeah watch, watching this film just didn't feel like three hours went by you know because that's how like immersed you can become into it so yeah yeah okay cool and now for our last our main attraction. <laughs> Our main attraction of what we're talking about. The haunting of Bly Manor. Jonathan, you want to kind of give a thing for Oh, it? man. It's hard to, <laughs> hard to give a... Okay. Well, I, I, I mean, I, I, I can do it. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I can okay, do it. Yeah, it? I think I can okay. do it. Okay. Okay. So the haunting of Bly Manor is about this young woman named Danny. She's an American woman who's come to London and she's essentially looking for a job. She finds this ad about being like a live-in nanny for these two kids. And she applies for the job, first doesn't get it, but then gets it. And when she gets to the manor, she meets everybody and uh, the kids are really weird, like really, really weird. Um, Mm -hmm. But it makes sense because they also just recently lost their parents. And so like that is kind of maybe a reason why she's like, oh, you know, like they're a little weird, but you know, they just lost their parents. So maybe this is why they're weird. She kind of gets to know the people at the manor, gets to know the kids and gets to know the manor itself. Like she starts to learn a lot of things. Um, And she's also is continuously haunted by something that she had left behind when she had left America. That's all I can really say without giving out too many spoils, but we're going to go into detail, I'm sure. Um, mm-hmm. That was kind of like the non-spoiler, like, yeah, this yeah. is what's happening. Here's like mm-hmm. what really happens. Um, and so as she goes on to um, discover, there was a previous live-in nanny. Her name is Rebecca or Miss Jessel. That first nanny fell in love with someone who used to work at the manor too, Peter. He had plans to basically run away with Miss Jessel. But then Peter, he dies by a ghost in the house and his soul kind of gets stuck in the manor. As the time goes on, Peter learns how to essentially like possess people. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. And and he essentially tries to get Miss Jessel to come with him. And he possesses Miss Jessel and then kind of forces her to kill herself, which is, I think, one of the mm-hmm. most... I like cried when that happened. <laughs> like it was just one of the saddest, mm-hmm. very tragic. Like, mm-hmm. and and it's and it makes Peter seem like a bad guy, which like mm-hmm. you can argue that he is, mm-hmm. but man, like I when this was happening, I couldn't like bring myself to say that Peter was evil. You know, right? I mm-hmm. felt like he was just trying to do what he could to save their relationship, you know? Mm-hmm. Anyway, we'll right. go more into that yeah, yeah. a little bit but, later. But, but see, like, that's that's one story arc. Yeah, that's only... That's just one story arc. <laughs> but that's kind of, like, it kind of it kind of has to do with the entire story, right? Oh, yeah, yeah, for um, sure. And so... Yeah, it, and so, like... Oh, I, I just kind of want to yeah, yeah, interrupt yeah. a little bit. Yeah, go for um, it. There's just so many, like, characters, like, in this particular series. Like, you thought Hill House had a lot of characters with a lot of depth? Like... <laughs> Bly Manor has the same, if not more characters, with 
the exact same amount of depth. Yeah. <laughs> and like and probably even deeper. Yeah, depth. Um, not death. Depth. 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 Yeah, depth. <laughs> depth. More depth. Not not death. Depth for sure. <laughs> kind of like Hill House. Kind of like how each family member gets their own episode. And blind. We're gonna make a lot of comparisons because they're essentially kind of like successors. Yeah, it's like season one, other. season two. So it's yeah. fair, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um. And so, Hell House had an episode dedicated to each member but blind manor pretty much has an episode dedicated to each person on the property like who works there and so uh, as you know we have danny or danielle who, who's the the main girl and uh, we have the the two children miles the mm-hmm. son and then and flora the daughter mm-hmm. and then we have the, the is she like the caretaker she's the housekeeper hannah uh, the housekeeper yeah. hannah she pretty much cleans the house basically we have owen who's the chef and we have Jamie, who is the gardener. We have Henry. Henry is uh, their uncle, the, the the kid's uncle. Yeah. And pretty much the lord of the manor, I think, uh, who pretty much owns that yeah. estate. The guardian. Uh, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Peter, who is who we just talked about, who's he's like the chauffeur. And then Rebecca was the previous uh, live-in nanny. And then we can go a little more detail, but there's like three other more characters, but we're not going to mention them because <laughs> the, 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 these are essentially the main yeah. nine, nine, nine characters. Yeah. Yeah, and <laughs> they have so much, like, complexity to them. And, like, uh, each of their actions are kind of, like, I wouldn't say weird, but it- it's a little strange at first, like, the way they carry themselves. But then as, like, each episode starts playing out, you start to kind of see, like, wow, there's, like, they're not just acting the way they are just because of that, but then they're being affected by something here, either by their past or by whatever's going on uh, in-, in Blind Manor. Yeah. We could talk for hours on each character. <laughs> but <laughs> but uh, why don't we talk about the scary stuff um, in Blight well, Manor? I, I can continue and finish off the, the story, I guess. Because I kind of went off a little trail with Peter and, and yeah. Rebecca. <laughs> okay, um, okay. So the ghost who kills Peter is this woman who comes from the lake. And <clears throat> if you basically get in her way, she grabs you by the neck and she chokes you until you die. Yeah, and drags you into the lake. Basically. Drags you, yeah, drags you into the lake. And so at the very end, Danny discovers how to essentially extends an invitation to the lady of the lake to enter into her. And when she does that, all of the spirits who are trapped in Blind Manor are released. And then it goes into the epilogue that kind of explains how Danny and um Danny and the rest of the crew at Blind Manor continue on in their lives, and I won't spoil it beyond that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. This this show <laughs> <laughs> was just so good. I think personally, it was the ending that really made it for me. Like the very very end. The very very end. Yeah. I think the ending. Do you want to talk ma- actually like about me, the very but... very very beginning? And how the story is being told. So in the very beginning, we kind of just skipped over this. But in, in the beginning, they're at a wedding. They start sharing like... Ghost stories. Ghost stories, basically. Ghost yeah. stories. And then one of the ladies, the older ladies there, says, Oh yeah, I have a, I have a, I have a story I can share. And then she kind of tells the story of the haunting of Blind Manor. So we're being shown this, but like there's like a narrator kind of explaining what's going on. Yeah. In the haunting of Blind Manor. Yeah. So and uh, she that, only that's pops, how the film opens. She only pops in every now and then. She doesn't really mm-hmm. explain every single thing, but yeah. once in a while she comes back. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You, you'll kind of hear her fill in some small details here and there. Yeah. That's pretty much how the show opens, and it comes back around again near the end. At the very end. Yeah. Wrap, yeah. To wrap everything up. Yeah. yeah. For sure. 
Yeah, I, I actually really like this beginning because it's kind of this idea of like, hey, we're going to sit around and tell ghost stories, you know, mm-hmm. um, yeah. which actually I think is a very, very, it used to be a very, very popular thing in 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 England to like gather around the fire and tell ghost stories. And I'm so sad that that tradition is kind of lost now, you know, <laughs> um, mm-hmm. because you have stories like A Christmas Carol, you know, and Bly Manor and The Woman in Black and, you know, stories like these, like, like, they're, they're the ones that are, that get told around campfires, like, to your family and friends, you know, not campfires, Mm -hmm. like, fireplaces, you know, like, in, in living rooms and stuff like that when there's a family gathering. Um, Mm -hmm. And I'm sad that 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 tradition has kind of gotten lost. It Mm -hmm. feels very British, you know? (laughs) Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. What do you think of the cast? Okay, so I thought the cast was phenomenal, all except for Flora. I felt like as the TV show went on, I started to understand why they cast Flora the way they did. Mm-hmm. Um, but I still think she's really annoying. Um, and <laughs> and um, Bly Manor is based off of a novel called The Turn of the Screw by Henry James. Um and there was another adaptation that came out earlier this year called The Turning, which is freaking terrible. <laughs> <laughs> and I felt like Flora in that one was really well casted. I agree. Yeah. But then the Flora in this one is so weird to me. Like, I don't know. What, what did you think about Flora? Uh, and the casting I thought she for was, her? I thought she was fine. I wouldn't say she was phenomenal or, you know. Yeah. Amazing. But yeah. she did. She did. The job well done. She did great. Right. She was fine. I felt like mm-hmm. compared to the rest of the cast, though, you know? I mean, yeah, even compared, the cast, even it, comparing it, it, her it, to Miles, you know? Right. Miles, the actor for Miles is so good. Oh, yeah. He's great. He's but amazing. See, like, but see, Miles had a spotlight, though. In, in the second episode, we get to see kind of like how he got back home, you know? And that kind of gave him a moment to shine. But with Flora, we don't get her arc until way later into the series when we're already exposed to everyone else's story arcs. So that would make Flora the last story arc to kind of see. But it's sort of like, man, like, there's a reason why her story arc is later. Because it would be like a major spoiler if it was revealed earlier. Right. But um, I think it's because we've already seen everyone else's character arcs, like, flourish and become, like, full moonflowers. Like, Flora's. Yeah. Uh, inside joke, moonflowers. But Flora, <laughs> but Flora's starting to grow the moment we, we, we see it, you know? And by that point, like, we're already kind of, in a way, checked out because we're so invested to kind of see where the story's going to go from there. Yeah. I, I think I think that's the why it doesn't seem like Flora, I guess, shines as well compared to everyone else. That, that's that's my opinion. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I can see that. And and I know why they cast her the way she did. She's supposed... Okay, mm-hmm. the reason why I don't like her casting is because she seems a lot older. Like, you look uh-huh. at her character, you look at the actress playing Flora, and mm-hmm. you're like, oh, she looks old. But the, the things that come out of her mouth, the way that she says it, it's like she's a child. It's like she's, like, five years old, you know? Mm-hmm. It's, right. um, she says really, really weird things. She talks really like she's like really sweet, you know, mm-hmm. things like that. And that's not what you do as like a, she's supposed to be what, nine or eight? Eight. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't think eight-year-olds do that. And so I understand that's part of the story, right? Like, right. Is like she had trouble. She essentially got stunted 
because of what happened to her parents um, mm-hmm. and, and what's happening with the house and stuff like that. And so I get it. But then at the same time, I don't know. I just, <laughs> I didn't like it, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that that's... Okay. Uh, but then overall, the cast, I really like that it was a very diverse cast. There's people of color and they're not just tokenized, you know? Um, right. So yeah, I, I, I really mm-hmm. enjoyed it. Now, let's talk about the scary stuff. Like, Hill House had some really, really scary moments. Bly Manor is more, like, creepy than actually scary. Right. That's what I think. Because of the way it kind of builds up certain things. Like, the first thing is, like, okay, I don't know if you guys remember this from last year, but, like, I told you guys I don't do dolls and I don't do mannequins. <laughs> and this this freaking show has that. I'm like, hell no. And then, and then, and then Flora goes, okay, in the first episode, Flora goes and shows her dollhouse to to Danny. And she has all her little figures. I'm like looking at it. I'm like, no. I'm, like, I'm, I can't, I'm good. I can't, I can't do dolls. Okay, I'm done. I'm good. I can't do dolls. <laughs> and, then, and then you see a doll like, under a dresser. And Danny goes says, oh, what's that? Like, you got to pick up your dolls, you know, because they're all over the place. And she's like, Flora's like, no, don't touch that one. Don't touch that one. <laughs> put it back. Like, oh, put it back. <laughs> and, then there, and then there's a part where Danny kicks it, kicks that doll over. And I'm like, hell no. <laughs> on accident. Do, yeah, it's on accident. Yeah, on accident. I was like, Danny, what'd you do? You're screwed. You don't ever touch that stuff. <laughs> um, oh, man. It was, it was just, it, it's funny now that I think about it. But like when I was like in the moment watching, I'm like, nope, nope. Nope. <laughs> don't do that to me don't do that to me oh man um and, and um it kind of carries the tradition of haunting of hill house hill house has a lot of like ghosts in the background you can see as characters talk yeah but they're just kind of there and in blind Mary, the same thing happens too there's several ghosts that appear in the background while you're watching the show so uh it's kind of like a where's waldo kind of thing that goes on. <laughs> and there's actually like, I've only managed to find, like, one or two ghosts, and Jonathan's fa- found a few, too. But, like, they're very... they're. I think they're more difficult to see this time around. I think they hit them pretty well. Yeah, but I feel around. like there's That's a lot more of them this time around. Mm-hmm. They're, they're more um, easier to distinguish mm-hmm. compared to the ones you see in Hill House. They explain very well, like, what all the ghosts are and where they are in Bly Manor. So they do a pretty good job with that. And I, I guess one of the iconic figures in blind manor is in the very opening itself all the ghost faces are faded like you can't see their face mm. it's just like you don't see like the eyes or nose or anything it's just like a blank face um and that's a very significant point as the story carries through like it's not just there for like a like a creepy scare factor but there's actually a, there's reason, a reason for yeah. it too mm-hmm. yeah and they do that very well uh, is there anything else you want to talk about? Because I want then I want to start talking about like the theme of like memory. And oh, scary and stuff. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I will just want to say real quick that Danny has this sort of traumatic experience happen to her, and she's being haunted by this sort of ghost of her past. And every single time that ghost came up, I couldn't help but laugh because he has shiny glasses and it's it's a shadow, and so that reminded me so much of the anime meme of like the guy with the shiny glasses right the oh, evil oh, okay, okay yeah and so like i didn't think it was very like scary i actually thought it was really oh, funny really? yeah because oh, okay. i kept connecting that to like the dark <laughs> shadow evil shiny glasses you know like yeah yeah um anime trope and so i i i didn't think it was very funny like that kind of ruined it a little bit for me for, oh, on the okay. scare factor 
I kind of wish somebody who like was really familiar with anime was like involved with that, you know, Mm -hmm. so they could be like, um, let's not make the glasses as shiny or, you know, like, let's let's give a little bit more detail to his shadow, you know, Mm -hmm. because it literally just looks like a shadow with shiny glasses and. Um, for those mm-hmm. of you who don't know, it's 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 very typical in, in in an anime to have a character like an evil villain like that. But it's weird. I didn't make that connection at all. Oh really? Like that. The first thing I it, it reminded me of Ink. Oh yeah, kind of. Yeah, it reminded yeah. me of Ink. So that that unnerving factor, you don't know what's kind of going on. Yeah, like it's a little mysterious. Like that. That's that's what I connected it with. Yeah. Um. So it, it reminded me of anime at all. I don't know how you got anime. <laughs> I think it's because, you know, I've I've been I've been kind of involved in these communities that are very like, you know, involved in anime too. So Okay, yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's just that's just yeah, what I, I thought I didn't, of. I didn't make that connection at all. Yeah. So when I first saw it, I was like, Oh, nope. Yeah. I mean when when I saw it, I was like it kinda seemed like he was gonna say like Omaya wa mo shinderu. You know what I mean? Like oh he's God. he's gonna say something like that to her. <laughs> Great. <laughs> I can't believe you thought it that way. That definitely ruined the entire her, her entire story arc. Exactly, exactly. Which is why you I was shake like, my head. I can't believe you. Why would you make that connection? I don't know. It's not my fault. You know, <laughs> that's funny. But that's he funny. does I'm look just... a lot like you know the uh, evil anime trope. Anyway, I guess. But <laughs> I I will do a, I will do a meme, you know where. Um, <laughs> <laughs> where where he literally literally comes and says, "Oh my way, Moshinderu," you know. I will say, and then just and they just legit make all the highlights where he appears <laughs> and put anime music in the background. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> That's exactly what you're gonna. That's do. what I'm gonna do. It's gonna get viral anyway. <laughs> yeah, but that that's all I had to say about the scary stuff. I think I didn't mm-hmm. think I think okay. I didn't think Bly Manor was that scary, um, compared to yeah. Hill House. But then again, dolls <laughs> are not my trigger. So yeah. Dolls are my trigger, and uh, there's a few jump scares in there, but yeah, there aren't there aren't too yeah. many. Yeah, in episode eight, there's a pretty good jump scare. Um, which one? I don't remember. The very very end. Oh oh, oh when 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 Peter picks up. Um no, Epi- oh, okay. episode eight is the really really long exposition, right? Or was that episode seven? No no no, it was episode eight. The, the the flashback the huge flashback yeah the huge flashback yeah okay, okay. at the end of the very very huge flashback oh oh oh, oh okay okay yeah when when the hands come out yeah yeah okay yeah uh that wasn't a huge jump scare for I me. thought that was a big jump scare because <laughs> it was so quiet <laughs> oh okay yeah and you know it's okay, coming okay. you just don't know when it's coming <laughs> oh <laughs> <laughs> but yeah compared to hill house Bly manor is not as scary scared it's not as scary so it's not you, you'll be fine yeah oh but but another thing i want to bring up is like the themes that this story talks about yeah like uh hill house talks about family and grief right but mm-hmm. this particular but Bly manor focuses on memory and grief and how memories affect our experiences uh, in the present and in the future and the show does a very very good job even portraying that and all the characters like all the characters have something they're going through that deal with memory would you say that's true Jonathan yeah I would go even further and say that all the characters have a core memory that they keep returning to in the TV show they call it like hopping or jumping memory or, memory hopping or yeah. tucking in um, mm-hmm. and so uh they all the characters have this particular memory that they keep hopping to and they can't help but be gravitated towards that memory. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, yeah. So basically what happens is uh, when the ghosts possess like uh, certain characters, that character will kind of like be in a trance, right? They're not conscious because the ghost is in their body. But that, that particular character is remembering something or thinking of something that has made an impact in them on their uh, on them in their life like flora for example she'll she'll flash back to when she was still when her mom was still alive um but the thing is like what's interesting is because they play on the fact of how memories work because it, in the memory flora goes and says something's not right because i'm eight years old now but this happened when i was five years old and i was like yeah that's kind of true like that's how memories work sometimes when you remember stuff you'll think of it as what you look like now and back then in that memory mm -hmm. very similar to dreams too Dr dreams kind of do that too so i thought that was a very interesting play on, on how they use that idea and that concept of memory and kind of carry it forward through the rest of the story yeah yeah um and so and, and like i said it's a very very common and current theme throughout the story because it's not just flora that gets affected by it but all the ghosts all the characters are um kind of involved with it like for example owen uh, Owen is the chef. He his mother has dementia, so and and so she'll kind of forget a lot of things too. So Owen's mom will, will think like it's nineteen sixty whatever, and will think that Owen is someone else, as if his mother is in that memory, right? And so it kind of plays on that factor to it. And a housekeeper, Hannah, she'll sometimes like forget certain moments or forget certain things. She'll kind of jump back and forth between like what's going on and what's not going on as if she's kind of like in a daze in a way and so uh like i said every character plays on that jonathan would you say like that's pretty true yeah i would say that yeah. and um just a note about owen i guess i think owen is probably my favorite character um mm -hmm. throughout the whole series um or show um mm -hmm. and i'm really sad that he didn't get his own episode <laughs> Now I think about it, he did. He didn't even own an episode, didn't he? Yeah, he I should have. I felt like instead of the really long flashback exposition, they could have given Owen an episode. <laughs> I think I know. I think they should have added one more episode because it's only nine episodes. <laughs> Add one more episode to give it to Owen. But I think oh, Owen's arc is tied in with Hannah. I I, I think that's why. Yeah. Kind of like how Jessel and Peter didn't really have their own arc, but their arcs were tied together. Yeah. Right. Would you yeah. say so? Like yeah. Peter, because because like, we got more from uh, Jessel's side compared to Peter. Peter didn't really have his own arc, but it was connected with Jessel. That, yeah. That's what I think. Yeah. So that's probably what they did to kind of shave time, which is kind of true because they they're like they they made a significant impact on each other. Yeah. Yeah. For mm -hmm. sure. I, I would say though that Hannah Hannah definitely got her own episode. Um, yeah. Oh, Hannah's episode was so good. Yeah. It, it got me like. It got me like off my seat and like staring like right into the, the TV. I'm like, damn, this is good. <laughs> this is good. This is such a good show. Oh, man. I, I actually felt like Hannah's episode was good. But then I also felt like it was really trippy. Yeah. Um, like if you're not invested in it, I could see people giving up at Hannah's episode. Um, yeah. Just because the pacing is a little off and... It's like reading a book out of order, essentially, mm -hmm. like when you, when you get to Hannah's episode. You know when you put down a book and then later you pick it up, but you forgot where you stopped? And so yeah. you kind of have an idea of where you stopped. And so you mm -hmm. start reading again and you're like, wait a minute, I read this already. Like, that's what mm -hmm. happens in Hannah's episode. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Pretty much. Yeah. That's a great way to put it. Yeah. Like that. You're like, wait a minute. I, I, I saw this already. What's happening? You know? Mm -hmm. um, and so that that's kind of what it feels like. But I think, you know, that that's kind of what 
uh, Flanagan was trying to get at, you know? Mm-hmm. Right. Um, but it definitely, that episode is definitely really weird. And you have to really, really be invested by the time you get there or else, mm-hmm. you know, if you're not invested by then, then I could see a lot of people giving up. Uh, why don't we talk about the Lady of the Lake, like her backstory a little bit? Yeah, Viola. Like, I, I, yeah, Viola, because I think her backstory is the core reason why we have this story. Yeah. Like, like the, the theme of what's kind of going on. Yeah, Com- comparatively to Hill House, right? Um, mm-hmm. We don't know why the house is doing what it does, right? Mm-hmm. We don't know why right. the house is keeping souls. We don't know why people are getting stuck there. In Bly mm-hmm. Manor, I felt like they had to this time explain, mm-hmm. you know, like yeah, they had why to. this is happening in order so that the ending could be better, right? Because Hill House got criticized a lot for its ending. And so I think, you know, they purposefully did a really long exposition of what happened and made the house why it is um, in order so that the ending could be better. Yeah, but essentially Viola, she um, she was like the lady of that manor along with her younger sister. And uh, their father passed away. And so there was like no, there was no one to kind of carry on through unless they got married. So Viola ended up getting married and she had a daughter. And um, things were going well for quite some time, but then Viola caught a sickness. Um, not exactly the plague, but the, the lung or something, that's what they called it. Um, so she had to stay isolated away from her husband and her daughter. So, <laughs> Yeah, it's like getting um, the flu in COVID. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Yeah, it, 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 it's, just like, it's just a coincidence that it just happened to come out around the time when we're going through something like this. So yeah. it can seem very uh, personal. Yeah. When her husband and her daughter go away on a trip, her younger sister kills her, uh, kills Viola, because in a way, her sister was tired of her living like that, but she also was a little envious of like what she had. And then when Viola wakes up, she's kind of like in this room, right? But she can't get out of the room. She's kind of just stuck there. So she's just kind of waiting for eternity in in a sense. The sister and the husband get married. But then the thing is, the sister can't have kids, really. And so they they come across, like, financial issues and whatnot. And so the sister gets an idea to open the heirloom box that was passed on to the daughter. And and when the sister opens that box, then the... um, Then Viola comes out and kills the sister. And basically, Viola starts to kind of haunt that manner right well actually viola viola had told her husband i'm gonna put all these dresses and things away and mm-hmm. therefore my daughter is essentially like in yeah. her will that like yeah. her daughter is going to inherit all these really mm-hmm. expensive things um right and uh and so her like viola's sister was not supposed to touch that it was not hers and then because the sister dies um, mm-hmm. The husband's like, okay, I don't want that. You know, I don't want that in my yeah. life. He does a yeah. really, really smart <laughs> thing in horror films. And he throws that mm-hmm. shit away. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and yeah. he throws it into the lake. And so mm-hmm. since Viola is trapped in the in the chest, um, mm-hmm. she essentially um, gets trapped in the lake because the the, mm-hmm. the the chest of things gets thrown in the lake. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so Viola is locked in like a time loop where she's trying to look for her daughter to pass on like everything that she has yeah and that is very very tragic yeah. very very tragic story yeah um and that would explain why the manor is the way it is why it's being haunted by that and then why it's, it's like continuous why it's never ending 
Yeah. Um, and I, I thought that was just amazing. Mm-hmm. I thought that was great how they, how they did that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so it, it got me thinking. So this particular TV show, because it kind of just goes off and explains the idea that, you know, um, a lot of people just do things without really realizing why they do it, you know? Why they do things because of either like a memory or a fragment or something is very reminiscent in them that they don't know why they do it, but it's just there, you know? And that's kind of what Viola was doing. Even as time went on, she didn't remember why, what she was looking for or why she was there, but she still kept doing it, you know? Because it was so important to her, so important to her. So it got me thinking, you know, like me personally, what is it I'm currently doing? What is it something I keep doing that I can pinpoint, you know? why do i do this you know yeah so jonathan i have a question for you sure do you know how i got into k-pop uh no not really maybe it was a a k-pop band that you started to really like uh yes and no it's also it's it's a little weird so after watching this show it got me really thinking why i'm like really fanatic about k-pop stuff um, so this this might seem a little like out of context, but it, it'll wrap up in the end. Don't worry. Uh, so I listened to K-pop a little bit in college, but I really only got into it last year. So that means like I started following groups, watching videos, Korean dramas, and I started learning Korean like a complete 180 compared to when I was first exposed to. Right. Yeah. So it's like why like why the sudden change? You know what's what's with this thing? So here's the thing that I kind of connected it to in college. I was particularly fond of someone. Let's let's put it that way. And uh, she was interested <laughs> in Korean dramas, K-pop, Korean food, the Korean culture, like pretty much anything Korean, right? And so the thing is, I cut ties with her a few years ago. So in a way, I think my Korea boo fanaticism might be like <laughs> a remnant of her or kind of like a memory. So it's not necessarily like, like when I indulge in Korean stuff, it's not that it reminds me of her. My Korean stuff doesn't remind me of her at all. Yeah. It's just like, I just, I, like, I still like K-pop kid dramas as they are, you know? But, like, it kind of goes on to kind of make you think, you know? Like, even if you forget why or how things started, like, a part of me still won't, you know? And in a way, that's kind of what Blind Manor is trying to tell us. Like, our memories, our hopes, our desires, and even if we consciously forget them, dead or alive, we'll still kind of be drawn to them in some way or another, mm. you know? And I think Viola was a pretty good example of that. Yeah, that, that, you know? that's interesting. Um, mm-hmm. Similarly to your sort of story, and this has to do again with also this idea of tragedy and stuff, right? But do you mm-hmm. do you know why I was so obsessed with the Jonas Brothers? For those of you who don't know, I was obsessed with Jonas Brothers, like obsessed. Um, when mm-hmm. I was kind of like at the end of high school and going into college, um, I literally lived and breathed uh, the Jonas Brothers. Um, this is kind of when they were at their peak. Um, mm-hmm. And you even came to one of the concerts, right? Um, yeah, I did. Yeah, when we were down in Southern California. Or we, we mm-hmm. drove down to Southern California to see them. But yeah, do you, do you know why I was so obsessed with Jonas Brothers? Uh, it had to. I thought it had to do with uh, like their... Okay, to be honest, no. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's no. <laughs> actually because Grandma passed away. Oh, really? Yeah. So okay. when grandma had passed away, I blamed myself so much for for her dying because grandma and I shared a room, right? Mm-hmm. We, right. Um, the room, the very room that you're in. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's true. <laughs> she, she didn't pass in that room, though. She, she, uh, she passed in the hospital. But anyway. Yeah. 
Um, <laughs> so nothing to be afraid of, Larry. Um, <laughs> but um, I shared that room with grandma. And I remember that night, mom was like, hey, make sure you watch grandma and take care of her, you know, because she was getting really sick. We didn't really know what was wrong and what was happening. So I was like, okay, okay, yeah, whatever. In the middle of the night, my grandma wakes up to go to the bathroom and I hear her knock something over as she's getting up out of bed. Like she knocks over like her lamp or something off of her dresser. And I wake up and I say, Grandma, are you okay? I say it in Hmong. And she's like, oh, I'm fine. Go back to bed. I'll be okay. And so that's what I did, you know? I was like a high schooler, so I was like, whatever. So I went back to bed. And then I wake up that morning to mom wailing in the hallway because grandma had passed out. The next thing I hear are like firefighters and ambulance EMT folks coming into the house and getting grandma and taking her to the hospital. Um, Mm -hmm. And uh, grandma had passed out and she had had a stroke And she was in a coma, basically, and she never recovered from that coma, and she passed away. And so Mm -hmm. for the longest time, I blamed myself. I don't think I ever told anybody in the family, but, like, I blamed myself for so long that it was my fault. Like, maybe if I had gotten up when she was going to the bathroom, I would have heard her fall. I would have called, you know... I would have called mom. I would have called the cops or 911 earlier. Maybe they could have saved her, you know? Mm-hmm. And so for the longest time, I blamed myself. And one of the ways that I would cope is Jonas Brothers. And they had a song in particular called 705 about, like, saying goodbye to somebody. Um, mm-hmm. And that song in particular was really, really helpful for me in coping with that sort of blame that I had for myself during that time. And that's why I became right. so totally obsessed with Jonas Brothers. Um, mm, okay. It was kind of like a coping mechanism that I had for the loss of grandma. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, you know, in, in that same way, like I think all these characters have some sort of memory, you know, or some sort mm-hmm. of thing that like happened to them that you know, that they're trying to cope with or that they're trying to go get over, especially Danny, the main character. Yeah, definitely. Um, so Danny is running away from something that had happened in America. And she was engaged to this, her basically her childhood best friend. During the time that she um, was getting up to the wedding, she had come to realize that she, huge spoiler alert here though, okay? So huge spoiler alert. So if you care, stop listening. But she had come to realize that she is a lesbian. She's LGBTQ. And she has these regrets about, or really, really cold feet getting into this marriage because, you know, her partner is a man. And so mm-hmm. essentially she breaks up with him and says, I can't do this. I can't get married. And then when that happens, they get into an argument and her fiance or, or ex fiance gets out of the car. And as soon as he gets out of the car, K drama status, like a car comes and like hits him, you know, mm-hmm. uh, hence the shiny glasses because the headlights, you know, reflected off of the glasses um, right. and it kills him. And she's mm-hmm. like basically traumatized, blaming herself for, for his death, you know, mm-hmm. um, and also like feeling this regret of like having first come out to somebody for the very, very first time and then having to break up with somebody who she absolutely loves, but just can't bring herself to have attraction for, you know, mm-hmm. uh, romantically and like sexually, physically. And so she's running away from that and basically not being able to like 
get away from the blame and guilt and shame that she carries with that experience. Um, mm-hmm. And and as she, you know, kind of goes through Bly, it's interesting because she grows a little bit from doing this, but at the same time was always within her, right? This strength, right. this bravery, this courage um, to overcome things. It's always been within her, but something at Bly awakens that thing mm-hmm. within her and she grows right. even more you know mm-hmm. to to, right. to do that so yeah amazing amazing character so mm-hmm. much deeper than mm-hmm. the turning <laughs> at the beginning <laughs> of the of the year you know that was yeah. terrible anyway yeah yeah okay so little fun fact do you know why they go to vermont of all places do you know why danny oh so in in the show like Danny ships with Jamie, and the thing is, like when they first interacted, I kind of, I kind of had that feeling. Like the second, <laughs> the, the second time they had their own scene, I had a feeling. I was like, oh, they shipping. <laughs> like, they, they shipping. I felt like, that it, too. It, it just, yeah, it clicked. I'm like, oh, yeah. they shipping. Like, I totally it, it felt. Happen. I think <laughs> yeah. it's just really good chemistry between the two actresses. Oh, yeah. you great, know? great chemistry. Great chemistry between yeah. the two of them. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. yeah. yeah but do, do you know, do you know why they go to Vermont? Like, like so. They they go to the they go to the U.S. and but they go to Vermont of all places. Do you know why? No. Vermont is the first state to legalize civil unions. Oh. In July of two thousand. Interesting. Yeah, that that's why because like I was trying to figure out like why do they go to Vermont of all places because <laughs> there was a scene where it mentioned that they they can't technically they couldn't technically get together. I'm like okay yeah and like I I knew that I remember that it wasn't legal and I was like so why do they go to Vermont of all places? I looked it up like oh. You mean is it so, marriage? Yeah. They legalize marriage, right? Because civil unions were a thing. No, like civil unions. Oh, civil unions. Interesting. It was legalized in July of two thousand. It only in Vermont. Vermont was the first state to do it. Interesting. Um, yeah, and then other states started picking up their own version of it and started doing civil unions and whatnot. And so I thought that was really interesting. I was like, wow, they did their research. They they didn't just like <laughs> you know, because this show takes place in nineteen eighty seven at first, but we yeah. see a lot of time skips, time jumps, time moves forward, time moves backwards, uh, whichever whichever way time goes, <laughs> time goes that way. Um, yeah. And so they definitely did their research. So really, props props to the writers because that sort of thing, like, it's so subtle, it's so subtle, but it makes yeah. such a huge difference. You know. Yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah, I, I I really like that they did that. So yeah. All right. Any closing thoughts? We we went on for a while. I knew we were talking a while for Bly Manor. <laughs> uh, we're not even. Oh my god. There's so much that I wrote down that we haven't even talked about. Oh really? Yeah. So much. <laughs> okay. Um, all my notes are done. So if you want to talk okay. more, go for it. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So uh-huh. first of all, so I was paying attention to the credits to see who was credited for the writing for Bly Manor, and I think for the first like five or six episodes, it's all credited to Mike Flanagan. I understand mm-hmm. there's a writing room, so I'm sure that there's other people working on the writing as well. But Mike Flanagan is the one who gets credited for the writing for the first, I think, five or six episodes. But I think like seven, eight, nine, or even six, seven, eight, nine is credited to James Flanagan, and yeah, so I saw that. Uh, James was the one who kind of finished off the story which is interesting because a few years ago now uh, hill house was criticized so much for the ending so i think it uh, might have been mike just been like you know what you just finish it off and let's see (laughs) let's see where it goes and i'm sure again you know mike flanagan was in the writer's room for that um Mm -hmm. but i think it was really interesting that's kind of the route that that they took um Mm -hmm. and james flanagan is actually also pretty involved in hollywood cinema as well um and he's an actor writer I think creator director as well. And um, he 
is he makes a cameo in the film. He is um, the older version of Miles um, at the very end. Um, yeah. So yeah, um, I thought that was really interesting. Love stories in the show. Which one would you say mm-hmm. is your favorite? Your favorite love story? <laughs> that is so tough because there's <laughs> there's essentially like three. Yeah, there's three, three big ones. ones. Yeah, Rebecca and Peter, uh-huh. Danny and Jamie, and then uh-huh. Owen and Hannah. Yeah, dude. Oh man, that's tough. Like they're they're all they're all great on their own. Yeah, you know they're all great. I think if I really had to choose though, like they all belong in their own category, <laughs> <laughs> but they all they all do because yeah. I think Hannah. Oh man, never mind. Because I was gonna say Hannah and Owen are the, is the most tragic, but Danny and Jamie's pretty damn tragic too. <laughs> I'm like, damn it. <laughs> but then so is Rebecca and Peter. Yeah, exactly. They're all okay. They're all great. I cannot give an award to any of them because they're all great. Oh my god, they're all good. They're also good on their own, like in their own category. They, yeah. Ah, uh, they're also good. Yeah. Like compared to Hill House, there actually wasn't too much narration. Or monologue as much. Really, you know? I, f- I felt like there was a I, lot. I thought there wasn't. There was only the only mono- the only real monologues I can remember is Jamie's monologue about her parents. Um, that's, that's is it, it. the <laughs> is it the, the moonflower scene? Yeah, it's the moonflower one. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's the only monologue I can really remember. Yeah, because everyone else is maybe because they cut back and forth between the characters, it didn't seem as right, right, um, memorable. Because yeah. in Hill House, it was just like one character talking for five minutes the entire time. You're like super into it <laughs> right I, I think i think they did that for you know uh production's sake but yeah i bet in the director's cut they they don't cut yeah. you know they yeah, just go i'm pretty sure yeah. yeah um but there were a handful of monologues i thought i mean i felt like peter's monologue in his memory was so powerful oh yeah that one mom. was pretty good oh my yes. god it was so good yeah, i saw it and i was, was like pretty good too Oliver Jackson Cohen, like so good. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, like, he's great. He like great as, actor. as Luke in Hill House, he doesn't get a chance to shine very much. Mm-hmm. But in Hill House, oh my god, like that scene. Bly Manor. No, sorry, sorry, yeah, Bly Manor. <laughs> I'm getting it mixed up now. Yeah. <laughs> like the scene where Peter is talking to his mom in his memory is just mm-hmm. so good. Like so, so good, you know? Um mm-hmm. I was like damn i can't believe this is happening you know what i mean um <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. so good so so good um but yeah anyway like the, I, I i guess you i guess you could argue the memories are their monologues yeah yeah because they're conversing with themselves right 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 uh hannah's is pretty good too when she talks to herself when she's talking to owen but she's like talking to herself right right i i thought that yeah that was really good too yeah but I yeah. can't give an award to anyone. This yeah. so they're all so good. Yeah, they're all so good. They're all amazing, and I think you know, and everybody can kind of relate to one or the other. I really love kind of like the the main quote. I would say the main quote for this entire series is, "It's you, it's me, it's us." Like mm-hmm. that is the quote that like will will make you remember Bly Manor. You know, mm-hmm. um, yeah. so simple, but so beautiful and so powerful. And it's something that comes up again and again and again and again. It's a game that Peter plays with the kids to kind of get them to like accept the invitation for him to come into them. And when they say that, they're able to combine their souls, essentially. Um, mm-hmm. and so good like it's so simple but so powerful and so beautiful so i i loved that 
um, mm-hmm. so much. And that's the invitation that Danny gives to the Lady of the Lake at the very end. She says, it's mm-hmm. you, it's me, it's us. And the Lady of the Lake accepts her invitation. Kind of making you think that maybe Viola was like, you know, lesbian to begin with, you know, maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, but maybe. it also doesn't necessarily like signify love or romantic attraction. Um, it just signifies like trust and relationship between mm-hmm. one person and another. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Right, right. There are some things that carried on from Hill House that like when characters would say it or something would happen, like it triggered my memory. They talk about mm-hmm. the forever house, you know, mm-hmm. um, they talk about again, like Larry, you said the memory idea, like memories are like rain that fall around us, you know, mm-hmm. um, that kind of carry carries on. And uh, Lady Wingrave <laughs> trying to fix her marriage. She says at one point, she says, mm-hmm. I can fix it. Um, mm-hmm. Ironically yeah. enough, she says it to Henry Thomas, who is, you yeah. know, the guy yeah. who was saying he, who that Hugh. Yeah, mm-hmm. in Hill House. And so he was yeah. the one. You know, we didn't even talk about Henry. Yeah, I know. We didn't. Of all the characters. Okay, we, <laughs> we're going to go on forever if we start bringing Henry now. Oh, my goodness. That's what I said. Like, there's just so much, you know. Like, um, Hen- We should have dedicated a, a Blind Man's own episode. <laughs> Oh man! So like Henry's character. Okay, two ch- two spine chilling moments for me in the entire TV series. Henry's alter ego, mm-hmm. like chills up my spine like crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when Danny first sees Miss Jessel, like the ghost of Miss Jessel, like those mm-hmm. two moments for some reason gave me so many i was like shaking from the chills in my spine because of like because of how scary it was um but for Mm -hmm. me i just i don't know why i just couldn't handle it i really liked the approach to love because there's this idea of kind of like singleness too that doesn't get left behind you know Mm -hmm. even though you know these people kind of have tragic endings to their love stories like they don't go and look for love again as a way to heal, you know, right. like from their, right, from their trauma. Right, right. Like I uh-huh. love that so much, you know? Yeah. A lot yeah, of times when people break up with someone or when people, you know, like they lose the person that they love, they feel that like going and finding someone else is going to like replace that, you know, or mm-hmm. subconsciously they believe that that's going to happen, but that's not mm-hmm. the way that this story looks at love. Um, Mm -hmm. and so, you know, like you could argue that, that Jamie is a rebound for Danny, but I don't think that she is. Um, no, I don't, I don't think so. Yeah. And, and and, I would never make that argument. (laughs) Right. And, and like when they fall in love with each other, it's not because it's like, oh, you make me whole or you're my better half or you're my other part. You know, it's just literally two people like who happen to find each other. And who happen to be attracted to each other. Like, that's it, mm-hmm. you know? Right. It's, mm-hmm. There's no, like, transcendental meaning to having this person and this person fall in love, right? Because we tend mm-hmm. to believe that, you know, like, it's, like, fate who, like, right. you know, like, we want to believe that there's idea of, this idea of fate, like, that brings, you know, two people together. There's soulmates and all these things, you know? This love story is not typically interested in that, you know? Mm-hmm. Which I really, really appreciated. Um, right yeah so i i really love the approach to love in this Mm -hmm. in this um tv show um i have a question Mm -hmm. for you sure why do you think 
Danny, and I'm not like all over the place, but why do you think, <laughs> why do you think Viola accepted Danny's invitation? Because no one else would invite her. That's what I think. Really? Or that's what I think. Yeah. No one else has invited her all this time. Mm. That's why she took it. Yeah. Do you feel like even yeah, her yeah. husband, Viola's husband? Yeah, not, not even her husband did that. <laughs> He's like, nope, don't want a part of that. <laughs> you know? Right, like, right, right. Yeah, like he didn't want to do anything with it. Because yeah. he never really loved her anyway. Yeah. In a way, he never really did. Yeah, he kind of had a thing which, for which the, is sister, sad. The, uh, the sister first. Yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. In a way, no one wanted Viola. People were just terrified of her. They wanted her stuff. And then when she was a ghost, they were just terrified of her, you know? Yeah. So no, no one really understood why. So that's why Danny was able to take the step forward and, you know, be courageous and brave in that. See, I would never do that. So, like, for Danny to do that, like, that's a like, huge props there. You'd be like, it's not you, it's just me, goodbye. Yeah, exactly. Like, I'd never do that. So, huge props to Danny. Like, jeez, oh, yeah. man, like that. That's real good. Yeah. Yeah. She's her character's so brave because of it, though. And Victoria mm-hmm. Padretti, oh my God, this woman can act. She does such a good job mm-hmm. as Danny. And she did amazing as Nell in Hill House, you know? Mm-hmm. Who knows what right. she's going to do next? Um, but yeah. The third season of Haunting. <laughs> the third season of Haunting, yeah. Of haunting whatever, yeah. The haunting of whatever. We'll, we'll see. Yeah, I want them to do a adaptation of The Grudge, but mm-hmm. I don't think that's gonna happen. We'll see. No, probably not. Yeah. But I hope we'll they see. don't we'll do see. another British one. To be honest, people are like, "Oh, they should do," you know, "The Woman in Black." I'm like, "Listen, no. Let's not do two <laughs> British things in one. You know, like <laughs> let's not do two British things in a row, please." Right, right. Um, yeah, I really love the actor for Owen as well. Um, mm-hmm. and even though this is a quote period piece, I felt like they did a really good job. Um, Owen didn't have an accent or he had an English accent, right? Yeah. But he didn't mm-hmm. have like a foreigner's accent or whatever. Yeah. And like, to be honest, like that, that makes the most perfect sense because there's a, a lot of like British Indians. Right. In, right. In like England. Yeah. So it's like, that makes the most perfect sense. Yeah. You know? To make so. him have an Indian accent would be very insulting. In my that opinion. sounds very. That sounds like very American. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it is something that, that Americans would do, right? Yeah. Um, I mean, you know, Flanagan is American, but still. Yeah, um, but 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 if if it were to take place in America, he'd have an Indian accent, is what I'm trying to say. <laughs> <laughs> right. Like that, that, that's how. That's how like xenophobic we can be sometimes. Right. You know. Right. So it's, it's like it's terrible. It's like so it's terrible. terrible. I yeah. agree. I agree. Yeah. It's terrible. Um, yeah, so I really like that he didn't have, he had an English accent, which I so, so appreciated. I'm just like, thank you. Just because we're brown and we look different doesn't mean we have to have an accent, you know? Um, I think, I think that's it for me. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah, we, we covered a lot. Yeah. I knew this episode was going to be a long one, so. <laughs> I mean, we can, yeah. let, let, let's talk about the ending really quick, I guess. Like. Sure. Um, I thought it was so people say it's depressing which like i can see no why i can see it be depressing but i'd say it's more like bittersweet yeah i, I would say so too it's bittersweet mm-hmm. and it's like it's very beautiful mm-hmm. um yeah i agree and maybe that's just my twisted dark mind <laughs> you know <laughs> <laughs> like thinking of love and looking at love but you know yeah. i feel like like people say that the notebook 
and and I don't know if this is true anymore, but years ago now, when the Notebook came out, um, people were saying, "Oh, that's like the greatest love story of all time." I've heard people say that like Snape and the love story of Snape and Lily Potter in Harry Potter is a really good love story. Some people think Twilight is an amazing love story. But listen, listen, y'all. Y'all don't know what a love story is until you watch Bly Manor. You know, I feel like Bly Manor does such a good job with each of its love stories. It's carefully crafted mm-hmm. and it's this very tragic ending. Um, but uh, at the same time, like it's beautiful because of everything that they were able to have, you know. Mm-hmm. And, and yeah, and, and oh no, I want to say yeah, yeah. even at the end when uh, the bride at the wedding goes to the storyteller and says, "You know, this isn't a ghost story; it's a love story." And then the storyteller responds, "Oh, it's the same thing." And I was <laughs> like, "Oh, that's a very interesting way to put it." Yeah, you know. Yeah, and um, you know, it may be morbid, you know, or depressing to look at it. But, you know, even at the very beginning, um, like someone is talking about love and marriage. And if your marriage doesn't end in divorce, your marriage ends in watching the other person you love die. And again, like I said, depressing, but at the same mm-hmm. time, like bittersweet because everything because of everything you get to go through with that other person, you know, um, mm-hmm. and the love that you get to experience. Um, like, yes, it's sad and tragic, but every love story sort of ends that way you know yeah mm-hmm. yeah yeah anything else i'm pretty much done no that's it i mean it's great we can't recommend this <laughs> show enough um and i'd like to say i'd recommend this film to people who aren't a fan of horror and want a, just a good story but then if you're not really up for jump scares especially the anime one then uh <laughs> like that freaked me out when, when the first when the, when the, when we first saw the thing in the mirror. I'm like, nope, <laughs> nope, nope, nope. You got something haunting you. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so yeah, watch the first episode. If you can't get past that, you're probably not going to survive the rest of the show. <laughs> yeah, I feel like I feel like it's doable. It's doable. Yeah, yeah. It's not. You, you can look away for the scary parts. There aren't that many. I promise. There are not that many scary stuff compared to hill house hill house was scary as hell okay like hill house was terrifying <laughs> blind manor is definitely more definitely light there there's no there's no real horror stuff going on yeah um so we encourage you to watch blind manor if everything we've talked about sounds really intriguing and interesting we haven't even touched upon a lot of stuff mm-hmm. we, we, we touched upon like a, a good core of the story but like there's so many other small details that we're we haven't you know talked about at all that add so much more and bring this story so much more to life. So we highly highly encourage you to check out Bly Manor if you haven't already. All right, so that's pretty much it for today's episode of the Outside Stories October Halloween special. Next week we are talking about a favorite. I guess franchise. I don't know if franchise is the right word, like property of mine. Lovecraft. We're talking about Lovecraft. So next week we're talking about Color Out of Space, Underwater, and Lovecraft Country. And I've been hearing great things about that, so I cannot wait to talk about it. All right, we'll see you then.